0: Tonight is study number 8 of Genesis chapter 10. And we're going to begin by continuing to look at verses 11 and 12. Out of that land went forth Asher and builded Nineveh and the city Rehoboth and Kala, and reason between Nineveh and Kala. the same as a great city. And we were looking at um, the Assyrians because Asher is the same name as Assyria And Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrians. And in our last study, we were in Isaiah chapter 37, and we were reading of the army of the Assyrians that had encamped around Jerusalem. And we saw that the spiritual picture was after Satan overcomes the nations and overcomes Samaria typifying the corporate church, he goes a step too far. And he comes against Jerusalem and Hezekiah, which is a picture of Christ and his elect. Really, it's a portrait of Jerusalem above. And so God allows the Assyrians to destroy Samaria, the ten tribes in the north, just as later... Who will allow the Babylonians to destroy Judah in the south, including Jerusalem. But at that time, Judah and Jerusalem will be the picture of the corporate church. In this case, Jerusalem, again, is a figure of the elect dwelling in the eternal city of the kingdom of heaven, And God has repeatedly stressed and emphasized that his people cannot be cut off from that city. So, he says here in Isaiah 37, in verse 35, For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And David is the beloved or the Lord Jesus Christ. Then, the angel of Jehovah went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. That's a huge host, uh, um, an enormous army that had encamped uh, round about in all probability Jerusalem. And it, it was frightening for Um, the inhabitants of the city and how could they do battle with this army, especially this army that has won all of its previous fights and, and yet God enters into the battle, defends the city, fights against them and again we see, just as we saw with Jehoshaphat taking his army of Judah into the watchtower of the wilderness as they go out to meet that huge host of an enemy army coming against them. And they had no need to fight in that battle because the enemy destroyed one another. Likewise, the inhabitants of the city Jerusalem do not shoot a bow or shoot an arrow. They they do not cast a spear. And yet, they win a glorious victory over the enemy Really, God won, but they're on God's side, so they won. And the Lord smote 185,000 Assyrians. How exactly did they die? We're not told. It could have been um, a, a plague, a disease that spread from tent to tent overnight. And really, even when we read about plagues and diseases in the world, and there's been many of them, it, it takes time for these things to spread. It, it takes time for a plague to destroy a whole city where 185 thousand people it doesn't happen overnight and and therefore it was the hand of God. It was God intervening into human affairs for the benefit and protection of his people And we see by the number of 185 thousand, What's in view? Because 185,000, first of all, breaks down to 10 times 10 and 100 times 10 is 1,000 times 5 is 5,000 times 37, and we get 185,000. And they're all significant numbers, and the 10 to the third power indicates the complete Purpose of God to bring judgment against the enemies of the kingdom of Satan, the the enemies of this world, and and really this is a picture of God's wrath being poured out upon the wicked in the day of judgment. The number five identifies with atonement, and and we can see it um, both aspects of it because. Uh, the atonement, um, has a positive aspect for all the inhabitants within the city Jerusalem. They're spared. They're delivered based on the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ from the foundation of the world on their behalf. And, 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 well, again, that's, that's the picture. We don't know. Uh, historically, certainly all the inhabitants of the city Jerusalem were not saved. Hezekiah was. But it could have been just a handful of truly saved men. Yet the picture is all within the city are saved. And so the atonement works for their good. On the other hand, the unsaved or the Assyrians under the power of the king of Assyria were Satan and his forces. And they... Uh, in the day of judgment, must atone for their own sins, and, and that leads to their destruction. So we see the complete purpose and the complete atonement for saved and unsaved, and the number 37, which is a number that identifies with judgment. And so it's judgment day. In judgment day, again, God fights the battle, is victorious over the enemy and, and the enemy is utterly destroyed and the people of God have no need to fight in that battle. Well, okay, um, we just took that little detour and now we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 10 and continue reading, picking it up in verse 13. And Mizraim begat Ludum and Anamim, and Lahabim, and Nephtuhim, and Pathrusim, and Kazluhim, out of whom came Philistim, and Kapturim. Well, here we find another of the sons of Ham, Mizraim. And remember, Mizraim, that Hebrew word, is translated um, a very well-known way, Other than Mizraim, it's the same word translated as Egypt or Egyptian. And we could read "And Egypt begat Ludum. And again, these kinds of statements in the genealogy are helpful to us as we learn background information regarding nations like Egypt that we'll read about again and again in the Bible. Now, Ludum is 3866 in the concordance in the Hebrew and it's the same as Lydia or the Lydians in Jeremiah 46 it says in verse 8 Egypt riseth up like a flood that would be same as Mizraim and his waters are moved like the rivers and he saith I will go up and will cover the earth I will destroy the city and the inhabitants thereof. Come up, ye horses, and rage, ye chariots, and let the mighty men come forth. The Ethiopians, Cush, remember that, that that's the same as Cush, and the Libyans that handle the shield, and the Lydians that handle and bend the bow. So we see as God is discussing Egypt or mizraim he mentions The Lydians. And, and that's because Mizraim or Egypt begat Ludum. And also in Ezekiel 30, we read of Lydia, which is a related word. It's 3865 in the Hebrew Concordance. In Ezekiel 30, beginning in verse 4, and the sword shall come upon Egypt and great pain shall be in Ethiopia. When the slain shall fall in Egypt, and they shall take away her multitude and her foundations shall be broken down, Ethiopia and Libya and Lydia and all the mingled people and, and so forth. So we, we find Lydia, Ludum mentioned in association with Egypt because they're the son, they're a descendant of Egypt. And it goes on to say in, in uh, Genesis 10 verse 13, and Anamim, this is who Mizraim begat, and Lahabim and him. Now, I, I wasn't able to find anything related to Anamim. Lahabim is 3853 in a concordance, and it's the plural of 3851, which is translated as flames. I'm not sure how that helps us. And him is 5320 it seems to be similar to but but a different word than neftali and neftali means wrestling neftu him again is similar or related in some ways but i don't think we can say it means wrestling so really we we don't have much insight into those words and we find that as we go along, and, and the Lord mentions some of these sons, some of these descendants, some really stand out. Some others, it may be the only mention. Uh, we we don't ever read about anything else concerning them. And I'm not sure why God does that. Um, I wouldn't say that we can never learn, but but our ability to learn is limited when an individual... Or a nation is mentioned just one time. And then it goes on in verse 14 and says in Pathrusum. Pathrusum is 66.25, and it's a related word to 66.24, and I think we're a little bit more familiar with this word. It's found in Isaiah 11 and Verse 11, where it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt, or Mizraim, and from Pathros. Pathros is, is 66.24 related to Pathrusum. And we can hear the similarity. And we see that in Isaiah 11:11, 11, 11, the um, company Pathros is keeping, Assyria, Egypt, Cush, or Ethiopia, Elam, and from Shinar. It, it's many of the places we're reading about here in chapter 10. And so Pasher, we can see, is a descendant of Egypt, related to Egypt. And Kasulim, Kasulim, out of whom came Philistim, and Kaphturim. Now, Casluhim is also mentioned in 1 Chronicles chapter 1. And it says in 1 Chronicles 1 beginning in verse 11 and, and basically it's almost word for word what we read in Genesis 10. And Mizraim begat Ludum, and Anamim, and Lahabim, and Naphtuhim, and Pathrusim, and casluhim, of whom came the Philistines, and Kephthorim. So, um, uh, we're now sure we have confirmation that Philistim is the same as the Philistines. So, the reference to Kasluhim ties in with the Philistines. And and uh, also, Kephthorim, as verse 14 concludes, uh, en kefturum, we find in Amos chapter 9, and Kepturim is 37.32, in the Hebrew concordance of Strong's. And the word in Amos 9, verse 7, is 37.31. A closely related word, Amos 9, verse 7, Are ye not as children of the Ethiopians unto me, O children of Israel? saith Jehovah, have not I brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Kaftar and the Syrians from Ker. So in all likelihood, Kafter is the same as Kaftorim. And, and the Lord says he brought up the Philistines from Kafter. So we, we do find there is a family relationship between Egypt and the Philistines. And we know that the Israelites were delivered out of Egypt, went into the land of Canaan, and, uh, for a long time, their foes were the Philistines that dwelt in the land. Okay, let, let's go on. Uh, I'll pick up from verse 15 of Genesis 10. And Canaan begat Sidon his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusite, and the Amorite, and the Gergesite, and the Hivite, and the Archite, and the Sinite, and the Arvadite, and the Zemerite, and the Hamathite. And afterward were the families of the Canaanites spread abroad, and the border of the Canaanites was from Sidon, as thou comest to Gerar unto Gaza, as thou goest unto Sodom, and Gomorrah, and Adma, and Zoboam, even unto Lasha. These are the sons of Ham, after their families, after their tongues, in their countries, and in their nations. Well, at this point, the Lord is going to go into the history or the family line of Canaan. And remember, Canaan is a son of Ham. It was Canaan after Ham failed to cover the nakedness of his father Noah, it was Canaan that was cursed. And Canaan, uh, the land of Canaan, plays a major role in Old Testament biblical history as well as the New Testament. And we find actually not um too far off from this point in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 11, in verse 31, it says in Terah, took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And here, when Abram leaves Ur of the Chaldees and enters into the land of Canaan, It is when he's 75 years old. And we know when Abraham was born was the year 2167 B.C. 75 years later would be the year 2092 B.C. And 2092 B.C. is 2,898 years from the flood in 4990 B.C. So a lot of time passes as uh, we enter into Genesis 10 and then into Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel and uh, the the division of the continents as the earth was divided in the days of Peleg over um, 2,000 years, 2,800 some years. And, and Canaan, a son of Ham, we don't know the exact time when he was born, But as far as his descendants, it was under three millennium when they had become well-established in this land of Canaan that Abraham was leaving Ur of the Chaldees to enter into, and he would sojourn there for a period of time. And, And finally, after Israel went into Egypt and had spent a time of captivity in Egypt, God delivered them and gave the descendants of Abraham the land of Canaan. And they took over the land, and they conquered the Canaanites. And and some of the nations of the land of Canaan uh, will recognize in these sons that are mentioned here in Genesis chapter 10, Sidon, Canaan begat Sidon. Sidon is also known as Zidon, or in the Bible it's the same Hebrew word, but the translators alternated. They could use an S for Sidon or a Z for Zidon. And uh, when we read of Tyre and Sidon, it's the same place, or it's the same name as Sidon in Ezekiel 27 Verse 8, the inhabitants of Zidon and Arvad were thy mariners. Thy wise men, O Tyrus, that were in thee, were thy pilots. Zidon and Arvad. And we find Arvadite in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 10, where it says in the Arvadite and the Zemurite and the Hamarathite. So we, we see the relationship between Arvad, the Arvadite, and the Sidonian. They're both sons of Canaan. Also, in Genesis 49, Jacob says, as he's moved by the Spirit of God, to say this in Genesis 49, verse 13, Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea, and he shall be for a haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. So we see that Zidon is related to a coastal area and that's why the ships of Tarshish and 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 why we read uh the constant references to uh Zidon and Tyre or Tyre and Zidon as a uh, merchant city well uh also here in verse fifteen and Canaan begat Zidon and his firstborn and heth heth um is most familiar to us because it was the sons of Heth that sold Abraham uh, a piece of ground to bury his wife Sarah in Genesis chapter 23 it says in verse 2 and Sarah died in Kirjath Arba the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan and Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth. And towards the end of the chapter, in verse 17 of Genesis 23, in the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field, and the cave, which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field, that were in all the borders round about, were made sure unto Abraham for a possession in the presence of the children of Heth before all that went in unto the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And the field and the cave that is therein were made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. Now, um... I think it's Rebecca in Genesis 27. Yes, it's Rebecca who says in verse 46 of Genesis 27, And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? And this is a concern that Jacob's mother had, that he might become unequally yoked. And in the Bible, uh, really to be unequally yoked is for a child of God, a true believer, to be married to an unsafe person, a person of the world. And that's what the daughters of Heth are representing. And, and that's why it says in verse 46, um, daughters of Heth... But then, such as these which are the daughters of the land. So the daughters of Heth are the same as the daughters of the land. And the word for land is also translated as earth and world. They're the daughters of this world. And, and that's why Abraham's purchase of a burying site, that's all he wanted. He, he just wanted a little plot of ground. It's all he ever owned in this world is representative of God's people who only have that portion of this earth in which the people of God are buried. That is, we're in the ground, we're in the earth until the time of the resurrection. And God has promised to give the land of Canaan which that burial site that the sons of Heth agreed with Abraham about is a picture or a down payment of the fact that God's people will inherit the earth the whole land we, we will one day uh, no longer be sojourners in the earth but we will inherit it it will belong to us when God recreates a new earth so so that's in view and and we can see that Canaan, uh, Canaan himself can be a picture of the world, because the promise of the land of Canaan is a promise of the new earth, as well as the corporate church, and his son Heth. Also, as we read there in uh, Genesis forty-seven forty-six, the daughters of the land, the daughters of the earth. It's a picture of the unsaved inhabitants of the earth.